What's up, y'all? We are back. It's August 22nd, Last Call Sports. My name is Big Germ, and I am your co-host tonight. First, let me start off by saying this. We're going to have to take a little bit of a moment of silence. We've got a dear friend missing tonight. All right, that's long enough. <laughs> no kidding. Doc is not here tonight. He got a little bit of a scratch on his leg, so everybody say a little prayer for him. But rolling right into this, um, let's talk about week zero. Finally, after... How many months, guys? We finally have some college football this weekend. Um, I've got the lineups printed out. We've got the lines. We've got the spreads. We've got the over and unders. Let's just get right into them. BB, what do you think? What's the first thing that shoots out to you? Well, I've been screaming hammer Vandy against Hawaii. I've been screaming it. Um, 17 and a half. Hawaii is Hawaii. Uh, prayers for Hawaii right now, though. But still, we're talking football. Um, been saying hammer Vandy, but some of the data I've been looking at here recently has been suggesting Hawaii can cover. Uh, I think if Hawaii does cover that over under of 55 and a half, I think the over goes. I think it's a high scoring game if Vandy, I mean, if Hawaii does cover. But my gut tells me to go Vandy. What do you think? I mean, we've both been saying it. We've been saying it for months. As soon as we saw that game on the schedule, we said Hammer Vandy. Mm -hmm. I, Clark Lee is probably one of the best coaches in football, Vanderbilt's head coach. He's probably one of the best. It's Unfortunately, he coaches Vanderbilt. Shout out to Vandy. And my head, my heart, everything says Hammer Vandy. Hammer everything that has to do with Vandy. But – the first thing that pops out is this over under 55 and a half. Since when has Vandy or Hawaii ever combined for 55 and a half in a game unless one of them is losing by 55? Hey, Hawaii can't defend anybody. Mm -hmm. So I think they're just playing on that. And like I said, if Hawaii covers that over, I think it hits over. But if not, I think Vandy smashes and the under smashes. Mm -hmm. Another big one I got is this uh, Notre Dame Navy game in Dublin, the luck of the Irish. What do you think about that one? you think Notre Dame covers that? Man, I don't know. Three touchdowns, that's a lot. You know, um, I know they're labeled as the home team, and technically I guess you could call it home since they're, they are the Fighting Irish and this isn't Dublin, Ireland. But, you know, both teams are traveling all the way over there. It's week one. You still got some kinks to work out. I just – I think Notre Dame gets the game. I think they get the dub. I think they get it comfortably. But, you know, 20 and a half, you know, three touchdowns, that's a lot. So, I may have to smash Navy plus 20 and a half on that one. And same thing goes with Hawaii. Look, I think I'm a pro-SEC guy. I know the game is at home in Nashville. But you, you always bet Hawaii when they're on the Big Island. That is one of my rules, and it will be forever. So, smash <laughs> You know and what the I score mean, of that game was? Hawaii at plus 17 and a half. You know what the score of the game was last year? They weren't on the big island. Hawaii and Vandy? I know, but you just don't know what the score was last year? What was the score last year? 63 to 10. Yeah. Vandy. Once again, Hawaii, when they're on the big island, smash. Speaking of Vandy, have you seen their stadium? Uh-uh. It's still under construction. Still? Yes, it's going to be under construction the whole year. They're going to have 21,000 as capacity, which they wouldn't sell that out anyway. No. But – I don't think they need to worry about it, but I'm still taking. I'm still. I'm. I'm going with my gut. I'm taking Vandy and taking Navy to cover. I'm taking the under on that game of fifty and a half. I just don't like it. Uh, triple option. It's kind of. Yeah, yeah. I just. I don't. I don't see it. 
I don't see it happening. And then uh, USC covers 31. You think Caleb Williams is in long enough for them to cover 31? I don't think it matters. I think they're up 31 the first half. What about that over-under, 66? Hmm. I'm taking the over. I think I think USC is that good. I'm with you. I'm taking the over. Yeah, too. I think I think the final score could end up being something like, shoot, fifty something to twenty something. I mean, it's going to be in that range. Yeah, USC is going to give up points no matter who they play. Yeah, they're going to score points no matter who they play. No, that's for sure. That's for sure. The other, these other games, mm, UMass, New Mexico State. That's a tough one. I would be wanting to hit the over on that one, a 45. But I don't know. I'm going to go ahead and, I'm gonna go ahead and plant my flag there. Over 45 on UMass and New Mexico State. I like that La Tech game, 11. I think La Tech can cover that. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I like that. At home. If it goes up any, I'd – be scared, but 11, I like that one. Yeah, so speaking of line changes, obviously this one should change. But as a better, what do you do for UTEP at Jacksonville State when the line is literally even right now? <sighs> I mean, that's a tough UTEP. one. I would lean UTEP. I don't like that over-under at all. Mm-mm. No, I go UTEP. Jacksonville State, they just don't have it. They, whatever it is, they ain't got it. So, yeah. UTEP. Over on, hey, I'll tell you this. We can make a parlay of this right now. Under 53 on that game. Under 50 and a half of the Navy-Notre Dame game. Over 45 and a half of UMass-New Mexico State. San Diego State-Ohio taking under 49. Hawaii-Vandy over 55 and a half. USC over, 60, over 66. And La Tech. I'm going to go over 58 and a half. Lock that in. That's a lot of points. That's a lot of points. Lock that in. That's a lot of points. Locked I do in. I do like hammering overs week one though. Yeah. Oh, always. Everybody's fired up. There's a lot, there's a lot of jitters going into the games. Everybody's fired up. Everybody's gonna be playing hard. But there's also a lot of kinks to work out. Nobody really knows what they're looking at at first either. So I mean, I think it's a great chance for a lot of offense. I think the only certainty on this entire list is Caleb Williams. I think that's oh. the only certainty. Yeah, for sure. He okay. throws how many touchdowns before he goes out? Say four. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Four. Safe bet. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that, Doc? Doc looks a little stiff. Yeah, man, you need to go see the chiropractor or something. <laughs> I know a guy. That's probably exactly what his face looks like right now. <laughs> Just before we move on, kids, do not slide wearing shorts. That's especially on dirt. That's my my children's lesson for the night. I think you should just stop sliding once you get past the age of 24. I think just there's no need to slide for anything at that point. Well, there's athletes and there's used to be athletes. And, Doc, my friend, you're used to be. But yeah. what did Coach Kent Murphy used to always say in those old, <laughs> old YouTube videos? You always got to dive for the ball, which makes it more athletic. Look. Don't bunt. <laughs> yeah, don't bunt, hit dingers. All right, all right. So, yeah, week zero, there's not a whole lot going on. I'm excited for Navy Notre Dame. I'm definitely going to watch Hawaii at Vandy. But – Moving forward, tell me one game or a couple that you guys are looking the most forward to this this season. This this could go all the way down the line. Just give me that one or two games you are so excited about. Let's start it off. I'm gonna go ahead and tell you right now, it's gonna be the national championship game, which Tennessee will be in, and Tennessee will win. <laughs> I do think when you look at Tennessee's schedules, there's at least one, maybe two of those games that I think everyone's looking forward to: Tennessee, Georgia, and Tennessee, Alabama. Yeah. 
And I mean, Tennessee, South Carolina. Yeah, yeah. there's going to be a lot of people watching that one just for the – Because that's going to be a uh, kind of like an FU game. Yeah. You, we've talked for a while about how we're scared of Nick Saban because he's been smiling. Mm-hmm. South Carolina should be scared of Josh Heupel. That's his revenge game. I do think it'll be a bloodbath. I'm looking forward to LSU at Florida State week one. Okay. It's a top ten matchup. It's the only top ten matchup we're getting week one, which I know we talked about last week. Preseason rankings are, you know, pretty much hearsay. Just they just do it to give us guys something to talk about. However, you know, LSU lost last year in that last second missed extra point after a heck of a comeback. Um, like I've talked about before, this is Brian Kelly's second year. I think he's got something to prove. There's a lot of talent going into Florida State this year. I mean, I, I think this is a heck of a matchup. It's at a neutral site. I mean, I, I truly am excited to watch this one. The line right now is LSU by two and a half. Over and under is 57 and a half. I, mean, I just think it's going to be a great game. Smash really LSU. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I agree. Never mind. I'm not going to say it. I fully agree. I, I think, think LSU's that good this I, year. I do, too. I mean, last year was kind of a fluky game, too. Mm-hmm. LSU loses on a block extra point. Yeah. I well, like, and that game was ugly altogether. Oh, like, it was. That game was ugly. I, you know, I thought that they were going to come, uh, you know, start calling for, uh, you know, um, coach's head after that game because of how ugly it was. It, altogether, bad game from LSU. But this, as you saw throughout the season – they started improving every game. They started improving, and now they bring a lot of people back. I think it's a good year for LSU. I think they come out strong. Um, Daniels could potentially have a uh, sneaky Heisman type season this year too. I agree. I'm going to get out of the SEC for a minute. One game I'm really looking forward to. It used to be the biggest game every year: Michigan, Ohio State. Mm-hmm. That game fell off for a long time, but Michigan's bringing. Pretty much everything back, and Ohio State is going to be unreal. I think that could easily be the best game of the year. Are they both undefeated going into that game? Yes. Yes. I think so, too. That might be. Hey, that game right there might have the most NFL talent on the field out of any game this whole year. I agree. But Michigan's loaded with NFL talent, and so and Ohio State is all the time. So, I mean, I think that's a great game. And – you know, it could have uh, one of the greatest wide receivers to ever play the game play, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. So, it's going to be a good game either way. I like it. Backing up, my my second one was week two, Texas at Bama. Um, I know Bama barely squeaked it out this year. I know that they're home this year, and I've said this multiple times, that, you know, home field advantage means so much in college football, especially in the SEC. But Quinn Ewers is back. He has definitely improved. You know, Texas, once again, has a lot of hype coming in this year. They're getting ready to come into the SEC in the next year. I mean, I just, I'm really excited about this one as well. Right now, the line is Bama by, by a touchdown. So I, I'm pumped for that one. Um, I'll tell you maybe, this about Bama. We talked about it earlier. Mm-hmm. You know, we did say, or I gave my prediction that Bama wins that game. I think we all gave that prediction that Bama wins that game against Texas. But that's early in the year. Milrow cannot throw the ball, and Quinn Ewers can sling that thing. Mm-hmm. And he's got a mullet, so I'm rock. I might be rocking with Texas. Well, if you remember that game last year, Quinn Ewers got hurt. Yeah. If Quinn Ewers doesn't get hurt in that game, Texas wins that football game. I agree. And like you said, Alabama at home is a different animal. But I could easily see Texas at least cover that. Right. Oh, me too, and that's why they're in this segment. You know games that we're most looking forward to, most excited to watch. Like, I've got that one circled on my list. You know, I'm ready to sit down and 
watch that game from start to finish. Um, maybe even game day would be there, and which is moving right along to my next segment. You know, give me your ESPN game day location predictions this year. Hmm. I know it's kind of tough when, without the schedule printed off in front of you, but I will say I do think that te- I do think Texas Alabama does get game day just because of the hype of that game last year, hype going into it this year. Um, Texas coming to the SEC, uh, you know, it Texas football is kind of back, like everybody's saying too. And what you hit on last time is when Texas is good as football, college football as a whole is better. So I think that is a lock for a game day location. Um, I think you could go ahead and look at Tennessee, South Carolina later in the year as a game day location. That was one of mine. Um, just because of the hype around it. Uh, and then depending on, you know, Michigan, Ohio State, I think that's a game day location. And then depending on what the schedules are too, or I mean what the, um, you know, rankings are at the time and the, and the hype going into it, uh, you know, Georgia, Tennessee mm-hmm. could be a definitely a game day location because as we've seen, everybody loves game day in Knoxville, you know. Not the best city, in my opinion, but people love it. <laughs> if Tennessee send a one loss come week twelve when they play that game in Knoxville against Georgia, they will definitely be there because if if they're sitting at a one loss, my prediction is that one loss is against Bama, which means they will be at the time undefeated in the East. Obviously, I have Georgia undefeated in the East at that time as well. So if that happens, they have to be there because that that game right there will decide who's going to the SEC ship in the East. Now, if Tennessee slips up and drops one to, say, um, Missouri or Kentucky beforehand, you know, we may be having a different conversation. But I think that's a lock. Um, You hit on my other one, South Carolina at Tennessee. I think that's a slaughterhouse. We've been saying it ever since we started this podcast. Um, And then, yeah, like I said before, week two, Texas and Bama. Those are my three picks for for locks. My big one, which I hate to say that there's going to be three – game day games in Knoxville again. But, well, this one will be in Tuscaloosa. But I think a lot of people have that game circled. Tennessee finally beat Alabama for the first time in, what, 15 years last year? Mm-hmm. You're going back into Tuscaloosa to try to do it again. I, at worst, one of those teams has a loss. But I think that game circled on so many of the experts' calendars that there's no way game day is not there. Right. It was one of the most watched games it was all time last year. I'm pretty sure it was sure. the best game of the year last yeah. year. That was a phenomenal game. I was sitting at a uh, cheeseburger in paradise in Hawaii, uh, watching that at you, like you nine o'clock too. in the yeah. morning. Yeah, and uh, there was a whole bunch of Alabama fans, surprisingly, in there, and uh, it was an interesting situation. And then we had a um, LGBTQ plus uh, parade going on out the out on the street beside us. So that was. Uh, interesting as well. So mm-hmm. I actually had to, yeah, a lot of emotions going. There. I had to watch that entire game in the car on the way back. I made it. We were in Florida. Me, Doc, Doc's family. We were in Florida. I had to watch the LSU Tennessee game in the car on the way to Florida, and then Tennessee Alabama on the way back home. We actually drove through Tuscaloosa, stopped in Tuscaloosa on the way back home. Mm. That was an adventure. But we walked in the door right in time for Trace McGrath's field goal to win the game. That's, That's awesome. awesome. Hey, what about on week one? I know that the big game is Florida State, um, LSU. But I think the most hype game week one and where college game day might be, Colorado TCU. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I forgot about that one. Because yeah. you think about all the hype around TCU being, you know, 
really good at football right now. TCU's going to be good again this year. The line on that game, the only thing is, is the line on that game is like, it was like 20, it was like 21, 21 and a half. I think it's actually moved down a little bit because I, I really do feel like Colorado is going to be a public favorite there. And I think right now, majority of the public is on uh, Colorado. Uh, majority of the money right now is definitely on TCU um, just because public's so heavy on Colorado. But I will say this. I might be in on Colorado. I, Travis Hunter, you know, best two-way player in the nation. I think Shadir Sanders is a lot better than what people give him credit for. Um, I don't know. I, I think I'm in on TCU, but I do think that that could be a potential week one college game day uh, matchup just because of the hype around that. I completely agree. And you can't have a you can't have an SEC matchup every single week. Right. So I think that they kind of go ahead and look ahead of schedule. Like Michigan or State will get it. And they go ahead and circle that. But I do think that they're looking for a couple others, and I think that that could be one of those games they go ahead and put out there where it's not just an SEC showdown the whole year. What about LSU at Ole Miss week five? LSU is only a five-point favorite as it sits right now, and the matchup predictor has them at a 64% chance of beating Ole Miss. The game's in Oxford. See, that's tough because it's still early in the year. Mm-hmm. Ole Miss plays great early in the year. So it is, it is going to be a tough game. Um, I could see Ole Miss pulling that out, but at the same time, I'm heavy on LSU this year. I am too. It's, it's hard for me to bet against LSU right now. I agree. I will say that Ole Miss probably does have the best running back in the country. Oh, the best. Yes. The and best. The most talented running back for sure, too. Like, what he did as a true freshman, ridiculous. I don't know. Don't sleep on the Rebels that week. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's their – it's going to be a I great game. Change, but a five-point favorite, that's a number you don't see often in lines for college football. You know what I'm saying? Another one we're missing is what about LSU-Alabama? LSU stole it from them last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, wasn't it Thaddeus Moss that caught the – That was 2019. Oh, never mind then. I was thinking it was. Thaddeus it was... Moss with Joe Burrow. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Thaddeus Moss was with Joe Burrow. Who was the tight end? It was the tight end that caught it last year. No, I can't think of his name. But yeah, it was the tight end that caught it on that little out route. Yeah, big game, good game. It'll be a hot game this year too. It'll be hot. I agree. It'll be on everybody's calendar for sure. Yeah, but sure. that's in Tuscaloosa this year. Mm-hmm. A lot of hot games. A lot of hot games. A so, ton. So give me your betting locks. This could be back to year? week zero, or this could be just like you've been smashing all 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 time here. You know, give me give me something you're locking in right now. Tennessee national champion this year. I'm, <laughs> I'm locking it in. All right. And that's coming from somebody that doesn't like Tennessee. I say it every week, but lock it in. It's happening. All the stars are aligning. It's happening. But if I had to do another one, I think that the more I kind of talk myself into it, I'm locking in Colorado covering that right now it's like 21 and a half, 21 and a half spread against TCU week one. That's an early lock right there. And then, um, Probably going to go ahead and lock in an early one, too. Texas over Alabama, I think. That's a lot, too. He's like confident. It. It's because of Jalen Milrow. I just do not think I, – like I said earlier, I think Jalen Milrow will start early in the year. I don't think he can throw the ball. Yeah, he can run. It, 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 great. But I don't think he can throw the ball. And I think that Texas is going to make very few mistakes with Ewers. I just don't think they make enough mistakes to make it, you know, make it a lopsided victory that way. But 
I don't know. I think Milrow gets benched halfway through the season, but early on, I think that uh, Texas gets one there. Hey, I like it. I like it. I think one that I could say early, and we've talked about this before, you've talked multiple times about how big home field is. Mm-hmm. In my mind, Georgia's going to open against Tennessee as at least seven and a half. Yeah, right now they're sitting at eight. Yeah, I'll take Tennessee to cover that. I agree. I think they'll give them hell. I mean, Leland will give them absolute hell. You I think they'll give South Carolina more hell because of the revenge factor. But like I've mentioned before, if we are undefeated in the East, even even if we have an Alabama loss, I'm I'm taking I'm taking them to give them hell. Like I mentioned before, as much as I hate Alabama as a Tennessee fan, as sweet as it would be to win in Tuscaloosa, if I had to pick one of those two games this year, because this is the last year of divisions in the SEC. I would rather have Tennessee beat Georgia to just go ahead and lock that number one spot in the East end, give up that loss to to Bama, and who knows, we might see them again in the SEC championship. That game's in Knoxville, right, too? Tennessee-Georgia? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, Not lock, till week 12, too. Well, so, man, lock that's Tennessee a deep in on game. that one because of this. Carson Beck's coming to Knoxville. There's a lot of good-looking girls in Knoxville. Carson Beck's going to be too horny to play. All right, so – Carson Beck ain't going to have his head right, all right? Y'all seen the Snapchat from Carson Beck, you know, that Barstool Bama posted it the other day, all right? So Carson Beck, I think that's going to be a struggle for him, okay? So lock in Tennessee on that one. I like it. I like it. Any last any last words for college football before we move to NFL? Go ahead and lock in your, uh, your Heisman votes for uh, – I, I think that – I think that Caleb Williams goes ahead and repeats just – because it's tough and it's very rarely done, but just because rarely have you seen somebody this hyped as Caleb Williams has been the past two years. I mean, super hyped. His stats are going to be inflated in that division. I mean, in that, you know, horrible schedule he plays. Uh, and, you know, you usually see a lot of good quarterbacks. And, and, you know, it's always a quarterback, too. Very rarely is it a running back, you know, receiver, v- even more rare with Devontae Smith when it lasts. But there's not that. Alabama, no quarterback. Milton could be really good, but he hadn't proven it yet. So, I mean, it's a lot of question marks at quarterbacks. Drake May is going to be great, all right? So, I do like Drake May. That's, a, that's definitely a top candidate. But I just think it's a cl- really easy path for Caleb Williams, and his stats are going to be unreal again. So, I think if there's one bet you want to lock in, you said Heisman, Marvin Harrison Jr., Blitnikoff. I mean, that's, oh, yes. that's a guarantee. Yeah, that's a lock. Yeah. That, that is a lock. Yeah, he's sitting at plus 2,000 yeah. odds right now. Oh, lock that in. Let's put it in. He's sitting at plus 2,000? I just I just clicked on this link. Six, for, posted six days ago. For the Blitnikoff or the Heisman? Heisman. Oh, no, 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 no. I'd be tempted just because of the odds. Yeah. Versus Caleb Williams in at plus 500. Number two is uh, Jaden Daniels from LSU sitting at plus yeah, 900. Nah. Quinn Ewers, QB Texas, be a dark horse, plus though. 1,100. Quinn Ewers, Quinn Ewers and Daniels and Drake May, I, I kind of put them all together right there. If Quinchon Judkins was on a different team, yeah. then he would be my lock. But Ole Miss, just, mm-hmm. they'll drop at least three. Yeah. Even at three, I think his stats could be so ridiculous. He this tried year. to sneak in last year. Yeah, I mean, and and he had competition last year with uh, with uh, Zach Evans. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. That's gonna be that's gonna be a very interesting conversation. I wish we could figure out the, what the odds are for the Blitnoff though. 
Yeah. Because I do think Blake, is, Blake Corum from Michigan, that running back, he's back this year. I do think that his odds are – what are his odds sitting at? You got it, Blake Corum? If I was to pick a running back, it probably would be him. Yeah. Just because of the schedule. But he's in a committee there too. Well, that's true. Blake Corum's obviously the most talented back there, but he's in a committee. Yeah. Um, who's the uh, Who's the kid at Ohio State too? Um, uh, guy, he's from. Um, I went blank. But he went to Christian Brothers. Yeah. He's on this list. It only goes about fifteen deep. I don't know. I'd be I'm interested to see what. I'd be interested to see what Marvin Harrison's. Uh, what the odds for him to be the Blitnoff winner would be. Well, if you got Joe Milton, this right here says he's sitting at a plus 2,500 odds. Is that worth throwing a couple bones on it just, just for those I like purposes? that better than taking uh, Quinn Ewers and Drake May and all of them at, like, what was it, plus 1,100, I think? Yeah, Ewers was 1,100. Jaden Daniels plus 900. At the Williams end of the year, plus 500. the stats yeah. for Joe Milton are going to be there. Yeah. This is yeah. going to depend on the final record. Yeah, and but you know what they said about Hendon Hooker last year about those stats. They said that he played, which, all right, this is kind of messed up because I was just talking about the, the schedule that Caleb Williams plays, which allows his his stats to be crazy. Um, even even the quarterbacks at Oklahoma that have won it, they play an easier schedule, and it allows their stats to be blown up. But last year, everybody's knock on Hendon Hooker not being in the Heisman was they said because of the type of offense that he played in and the Josh Heupel offense, it was basically a cheat code for – Boosted stats for quarterbacks, and which I don't see how you can say that playing the SEC, running that type of offense is a cheat code compared to having a super easy schedule, running a similar type spread offense and getting crazy stats as well. Well, at the same time, Jalen Hyatt won the Blitnikoff. Yeah, Marvin Harrison, better wide receiver, Jalen Hyatt won the Blitnikoff. So how can you even make that argument? It's just because it's for the Heisman. Yeah. Yeah, people care about the Heisman. No one really cares about the Blitnikoff. Yeah. Hey, speaking of Jalen Hyatt, though, he has looked good in preseason. That's what I'm oh, yeah, that, no, that's a perfect transition too. Is just like you said, people say it's a gimmick offense. It doesn't get you. Yeah, you know, the Giants run a gimmick offense. Level. I mean, he looks he looks great, and Cedric Tillman does too. I mean, he, I mean, Cedric Tillman's I, way more talented. Cedric opinion. Tillman was also in a pro style offense before Josh Heupel came along. Yeah, yeah. Cedric Tillman's a a, a as far as talent goes, he might be the most talented receiver in this whole draft, honestly. Like, Cedric Tillman's that good, and he's that big, and he's got great hands. And he's got a great quarterback. Yeah, mm-hmm. as long as he, you know. Stays away from get, massage parlors. Yeah, and doesn't go get rubbed out mid-game. Well, um, you know. But I love Deshaun, all right? I, I don't fault too. him, dude. He plays, you know. You got to play loose. Most manly league in sports. Yeah. He gets hit. By 250-pound men, he deserves a massage. Yeah. yeah. That's how he plays so loose. That's what I'm saying. As long as it finishes, it's just a massage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Speaking of massage, let's run the gasser ass segment. Okay, I've got a few of the retro NFL team logos sitting in front of you. Let's start with the NFC. Got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers retro logo, gasser ass. Ass. That's gas. I don't no, know. That's, that's gas. gas. I'm going ass just because they looks like Jack Sparrow kind of. Perfect. Which is which is gas. I love Jack Sparrow, but not as a football, not as something that strikes fear. All right, strikes fear as a football team. Like it looks a little sexual. I mean, he is winking at you a little. He's bit. He's winking. But, you know. He's holding a knife in his mouth, and it's kind of got curled up. Like it looks a little sexual. All right? I'd be scared to play against him. Yeah, I'd much rather play. I'd much rather you know. Looks like I'm about to go slow dancing instead of playing a football game. Or something. <laughs> Lull him to sleep. 
Take them off over the top. I'm just saying. I mean, it's great, great logo, maybe for a men's modeling company. <laughs> what about the other team in the NFC, the New York Giants? Gas or ass? That's ass. Ass. That is so ass, I agree. I'd much rather take the Bucks over the Giants with this old logo. I can All make right. that on Canva. Moving along to the <laughs> – I could too. Um, moving along to the AFC, I printed off the uh, New England Patriots. <laughs> gas or ass? Ass. <laughs> ass I mean, it looks like a troll first. Well, that looks like Logan if he was buff and played football. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that leg kind of does look like Logan's leg right now. <laughs> oh, red and shit. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Houston Oilers, now the Tennessee Titans. Gas or ass? Gas. Gas, gas for sure. The gas. Powder, the powder blues, man. I love it. I love the powder blues, but they're love just it. a lack of creativity. It looks like a ladder. You're climbing to the top. All right, it's a stairway to heaven. I love it. I love it. We'll print some more off next week. All right. Fancy football. A lot of teams out there are going to be drafting this weekend, next week, you know, sometime within, let's say, the next 10 days, two weeks. Give me your draft strategies. You know, who are you picking up? Let's just go with what I printed off here. You're sitting in a 12-team PPR league. It's Standard good, one quarterback. It's a good segue no into flex. our uh, our competition. People don't know yet. Yeah. For those of you that don't know, Doc and myself will be co-managing a team. Brennan, Jacob will be co-managing his team. It's gonna be sick. The We're, betting lines will be out there. We'll have those posted for you. And I think if we can work the logistics out, we will be streaming that draft live here on set. Maybe next week. I think it is next week. Next, is it next Monday? Week? Yeah. It's going to have to be, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to have to be next so week. So just for context. Um, I'm not even worried about it. I didn't even look at it. I mean, I'm confident. Doc right. and Gruber are sitting with a third overall pick. Whereas, second overall pick. Is it the second? Yeah. That's right. Shane. Shane O'Mac. That's right. Shout and out Moffitt's to Shane. first. He's sitting at the number three versus BB and I will be sitting at the fourth overall pick. Now, Brennan, before we move on, do not give away any of our <laughs> strategies. But for this episode's purposes let's let's give some some vague strategies for the listeners and watchers out there look i'm not gonna give away any of our strategies but what i will say if you are sitting you know anywhere top seven all right Je most likely every single draft out there is going to be jefferson mccaffrey and chase they're going to go one third one two and three in mm -hmm. any order right there they're most likely going to go one two or three mm-hmm um, one thing I will say is if you are playing with some casuals that don't understand, you might have somebody pick like a Will Levis first overall, which uh, I was in a league not long ago. Somebody drafted Will Levis first overall. And now, granted, it was only rookies, but he passed up B. John Robinson and, and Jameer Gibbs to take Will Levis first overall. So if you are playing with some casuals, you might get a, you know, you might get a freebie there and have Justin Jefferson left you know, at seven if you're at seven. But for most part, those three are going first, one, two, and three. Uh, I'm as far as the first round goes. I'm low on Eckler. I'm not as high on Eckler as everybody else is. If you look when everybody was healthy in that offense last year, and they added Quentin Johnston, uh, which I don't like Quentin Johnston, but they did add him. Um, Eckler was n not nearly as good when everybody was healthy last year. Um, I think he dropped like six or eight spots uh, compared to. Um, being, you know, like the RB1 overall to RB8, RB9. Um, so don't like Eckler as much. Travis Kelsey, if you're in a 
one year league, smash Travis Kelsey in the first round always. He's just safe pick, safe floor. Well, you see what this team here did. They stacked that with Patrick Mahomes in the second round. Yeah. So I if mean, you could snag Kelsey in the first round, are you just pretty much setting yourself up to go ahead and be that guy to take that first quarterback in the second with the stack? I'm not taking Patrick Mahomes. I'm not. I I think that you can wait later this year. Look, I know that you you do have some really good quarterbacks to pick, and Patrick Mahomes and and uh, I think Lamar finishes. I really do think Lamar finishes as QB one this year. I really do. But instead of taking those guys early on, I like waiting until the sixth, seventh, eighth round, and you can usually get uh, our boy Deshaun Watson. Um, I think that uh, Daniel Jones, Danny Dimes is a great pick this year, late, when you can get him in the eighth round, seventh round. I mean, I think that that is a solid pick. Uh, he was, what, QB 10 last year? So to be able to get him right there and, you know, you're six points difference between QB 10 and QB, you know, two and three, I think that's a great pick. That's just my strategy. I like it. What do you say? Where is our boy Deshaun on this list? Did they move him up? Has somebody been watching the podcast and heard how high we are? Oh, he's all the way down in the seventh round on oh. this list. Yeah, somebody's got him in the seventh. Yeah, he's right there. He's uh he's with the he's with the Eckler team. Hey, but all right, the, these uh good thing this isn't actual draft. But this, yeah, but this this draft actually took Burrow in a in the fourth round. Yeah, good thing this isn't a draft an actual draft though. No, I completely agree with you. I'd move Eckler. I mean, I'd move him second round. New offensive coordinator. They've, I mean, we know they're going to air the ball out this year. Mm -hmm. I think the stat that I saw was without a fully healthy receiving core, Austin Eckler was averaging about 23 points a game. Fully healthy receiving core, he moved down to 16 points a game. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just not worth a, what is that, fifth round pick? Or fifth, fifth overall, overall pick? Yeah. yeah, not happening. No, honestly, I'd probably take, I'd probably take Derrick Henry just because of the touchdown. Dependency right there. Well, not dependency, but just touchdown. <laughs> He's going to get touchdowns. I might take Derrick Henry over Austin Eckler this year just based on the fact of everyone being healthy in, in, um, San Diego, or in Chargers. Right now while we're talking about it, um, Zamir White, I'm moving him up every one of my boards just because we don't know what's going to happen with Josh Jacobs. He's back. Not completely. He's reporting back. Yeah, that's what he says. Pay the man. What did I say yesterday? I don't trust athletes because they lie more than females. Amen. Amen. But Zamir White, I do like Zamir White. Tough, hard-nosed runner. Has brick for hands, though. And honestly – So does Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs got a whole lot better at receiving last year. But regardless, uh, I just don't like that offense as a whole. I, I think Devontae Adams dominates the ball, but I also don't think he gets the ball enough that he should in a terrible offense and a, in a bad team this year that he is out early on. Um, I don't know. Some of these things, like James Cook, I'd probably move him up. He's going seventh round right here uh, with the likes of Addison and uh, Pincheco and Smith and Jigba. Uh, I'll tell you what, Jahan Dotson needs to be moved up. I agree. This is Jahan Dotson's season. James Conner, if you're talking about consistency, he's the epitome of consistency, and he's the only guy there until Kyler gets back. 
I don't know. It's going to be interesting. What do you think about? What do y'all think about uh, uh, Tampa Bay? All those Tampa Bay players with uh, Baker getting announced as a starting quarterback. Does it make a difference, up or down? I would say down, but there's not really much of a difference between Baker and Kyle Trask, so they probably stay about even for me. I will hit you with one stat though on Baker Mayfield. Over his career, he's targeted running backs. I was just about to say, if I'm moving anybody up, it's Rashad, Rashad White. White. He has targeted running backs like second most out of all quarterbacks in his career timeline. So I'm moving Rashad White up a whole lot. And Rashad White is one of the best receiving backs in the whole league. So love Rashad White. Um, Kenneth Walker, I'd move him down, uh, in, at least on my draft boards. I'm not that high on Kenneth Walker just because of um, – Charbonnet, he's going to steal a lot of the third down work. I know you're high on Etienne. I'm indifferent about Etienne. Jacob, there's your boy Amari Cooper uh, going into the third round. I think Amari Cooper has sneaky wide receiver one potential this year, mm-hmm. especially with how much we like Deshaun, Deshaun Watson. I've been saying it for a while. They're sleeping on Deshaun. That's my stack this year, Deshaun and Cooper. I think it's a great stack. I don't like Ramondre Stevenson that early. I think uh, I think I'd, I'm like you. I'd pick somebody like Najee or Mixon or hell even Etn or Gibbs. I just I don't, I don't trust the New England running back. I'm definitely not big on Najee just because of what we've seen from preseason. Him and don't say that. I got him in my dynasty. Jalen Warren is the <laughs> Jalen Warren is the back to having that offense. I, I read I read that they love him. So yeah. the first sign Najee shows any sort of hiccups. Well, Najee's injury prone too. We I talked know, about don't, that. Don't Just say it, a little tweak. And he's older. I mean, for a running back, and everybody thinks he's young because he was only in the league two years ago. But yeah, was, dude's twenty six now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jalen Warren's you know at the ripe age of twenty four. Um, you know, built like a brick shit house. I love Jalen Warren. All right, play the man. Bench Najee. <laughs> uh, I will say this too, Joe Mixon. Now that he is cleared of all of his charges, uh, free my man Joe. Um, I would move Joe up a good bit here, too. Uh, it's, you know, we're saying ADP, third round. Now, this is a 12-team. Most people are going to be 10-team. But Joe Mixon in that offense, he is the only back there. I don't see Chris Evans or any of them making any kind of push. Uh, P. Ryan's gone, and P. Ryan did steal some, you know, third down work from him last year. But Mixon, move him up. I mean, he's going to get you goal line work. He's decent in the receiving game, and that's going to be a high-powered offense. So, move him up. Somebody's been listening to the podcast because Elijah Moore moved up two rounds. Yep. He, the dude is good. And, and uh, I saw another report on him the other day. They are literally using – which we've already seen in the preseason. We covered it early on. They're using him everywhere. They're using him out of the backfield, using him in the slot, using him out wide, everywhere. And – you know, I know we just talked about Mari Cooper being a sneaky wide receiver one. I think he could be wide receiver one if he stays healthy all year. But Mari Cooper doesn't stay healthy all year. And shoot, those couple of games that Mari Cooper's out and Elijah Moore is the guy. Start him in your lineups, start him in DFS, lock him in and everything. Tell your friends, tell your family. <laughs> I mean, it's a lot. Uh, two more things I will say. Debo Samuel. If you draft Debo in third, fourth, or fifth round, you're asking to be last in your fantasy league this year. Debo is way overrated in ADPs this year. He is, yeah, he's a great player. He's super talented, but there are too many mouths to feed there, and Christian McCaffrey is the guy there. I mean, he's just the guy. Um, 
if you're talking about for one year, Brees Hall, not interested in him this year unless I could steal him in the seventh, eighth, ninth round. Because Dalvin Cook there, that's just a backfield I really don't want to be that a part of in a one-year fantasy league. Now, if you're talking about Dynasty, oh, draft Brees Hall. Draft him. Um, what else? What else kind of stands out here? I mean, one thing that stands out to me is Justin Ross actually moving up into getting drafted. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think – I know you and me have discussed it. Did we discuss it on the podcast? I can't remember. But Justin Ross is – that's a value. He's so talented. So talented. People forget his college days. He was the best receiver on that Clemson team. Yeah. Hey, I'll tell you this offseason, Justin Ross is getting talked a lot about, uh, you know, a lot about in Kansas City. Deserving because he's so talented. He's a big target. And he somebody that big shouldn't be able to run routes like he does. Like 6'4, you know, he's not too thick, but still 6'4 and being able to run routes like that and leave people in the dust. Justin Ross is a freak. But look who's right above him right there, Rasheed Rice. And Rasheed Rice has been one of the best receivers in all of preseason so far. Now, granted, he's only had one catch from Patrick Mahomes. But still, he's been their most productive receiver so far. No, I agree. Another thing that stands out to me, you just talked about Debo. I mean, you wait one round and you can get Ayuk. And yeah. Brock Purdy showed last year, Ayuk, outside of McCaffrey, that's his favorite target. I think I used the most talented receiver out of the two, too. It's just Debo gets run out of the backfield sometimes, which makes him a little bit more valuable. They started doing it with Brandon Ayuk a little bit last year. True. Um, what about what about Gabe Davis here? With Stefan Diggs uh, being a little bit of a head case, what do we do about Gabe Davis? It's looking like eighth round right now. Mm. It's appealing, but I'll tell you this. Kincaid, everybody looks at him in a tight end. That's what he was drafted as. That man's going to be running out of the slot this year. And, you know, the slot position in Buffalo is always a very, very good position for fantasy PPR players. Cole Beasley was irrelevant before he came to Buffalo. Yeah. I mean, I really like Kincaid. I think Kincaid is somebody that should – I mean, I hadn't even seen him on here, but I know he's somewhere – there he is, 14th round, all right? Kincaid can be a very, very valuable pick uh, this year if you can get him 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th round in a 12-team fantasy because you can play him at the tight end, but he's going to be playing as a slot receiver this year. So, I can tell you two right now in the 10th round, I wouldn't be scared to move up my boards of Sky Moore and Nico Collins. Yeah. Both have been talked about to be the number one receiver for their teams. I mean, getting that in the 10th round is absurd value. Oh, yeah. And Nico Collins is actually a freak of nature, too. Dude's freakishly athletic. He's like 6'4", big end zone target. And uh, I know that people talk about Houston being better this year, but I still think they're going to be playing from behind a lot. And he is the de facto number one there right now. I don't see anybody competing with him unless Tankdale does what everybody thinks he's going to do. Um. Zay Flowers, Baltimore. Let's talk about Baltimore's receiving group real quick. I'm going to go ahead and plant my flag here. Lamar Jackson is the QB one overall this year, and I don't – listen to me. I think he's on a mission, and I don't think he does – I think he does a good bit with his legs, but he's not going to do all of it with his legs this year. I think he proves to people that he can really pass the ball. And Mark Andrews – could have a great 
year, or comeback year. Last year he was, you know, a dud pretty much from where he was being drafted. But Zay Flowers has been a favorite target of Lamar Jackson so far this year. Odell will draw attention. Rashad Bateman will draw attention. And Mark Andrews will obviously draw attention. Zay Flowers could have a big year as a rookie. And he's super talented. The one thing I will agree with you on there is the Mark Andrews thing. Uh, for people that don't know, Baltimore has a new offensive coordinator, and that's Todd Munkin. Mm-hmm. Todd Munkin came from Georgia. Mm-hmm. Georgia loved, loved tight ends. And I think Todd Munkin is going to bring that right over to Baltimore, and I do think that Mark Andrews – I mean, when you look at it, it's Travis Kelsey one, Mark Andrews two. Oh, yeah. But Mark Darren Andrews could be looking to take over that number one spot. But you know who else they're going to play a lot of? They're going to play a lot of double tight ends this year because mm-hmm. likely is somebody People forget about Isaiah Likely. Super talented. Super talented. And you look at the games last year that Mark Andrews was out, Likely was very, very, very fantasy relevant. So – They'll be running two tight ends a lot, and I think both tight ends are very um, fantasy relevant there. And then uh, the Bills will be running two tight ends a lot, and both tight ends there will be very fantasy relevant as well. So, and while we're talking about tight ends, uh, I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now, everybody needs to be looking at Irv Smith. The guy is super talented, super talented. He's had injury history. He was in a terrible situation in Minnesota where finally once he got the the keys to the to the starting tight end job, Hawkinson comes in and you know, and I'm just saying, he's in a Joe Burrow offense. He's the cheapest player you can get there because Mixon, Higgins, and Chase are all going early, and you can still get a tight end that plays with Joe Burrow late in the round. I hadn't even seen him on here, but Shoot, I'd take him. Big Darren, what do you got? Heck, when you started talking about tight ends, I thought he was going to talk about old Chig. That's all he's been talking about in the office. I love the last Chig. Few weeks. He got hey, he had to leave practice early today, so that everybody is, from the Titans that does hurt me a little early. bit. Hey, I like it. You know what else I like? Oh, Tuesdays. You know why I like Tuesdays? Tacos. We we'll get get well. Taco Tuesday is amazing. We we'll get a new episode of Hard Knocks with the Jets. And today, Swamp Kings was released on Netflix. Hey, I was watching a video right before I came in here on it. Mm-hmm. Not to ruin it, but those dudes, instead of going out and partying and going out and, and you know being college kids, on Friday nights, they were in the weight room at midnight, having a midnight workout with everybody. And Tebow said that those were the most challenging workouts because you knew when you were coming in there, that it was a lot of one-on-one stuff. Like it was people going at each other in the work in the in the weight room, and you were throwing some serious weight. And it was all it was more mental than it was physical at that point too. So I love it. Speaking of Tebow, while we're on the topic, did anyone see the the report that came out that when Tebow was with the Broncos, that players would chase him with naked pictures? I believe it. Huh? Yeah, they were chasing him with naked pictures of women because you know he was a oh, virgin. Oh, I thought you were being like no, naked pictures them. of yourself. I was like, <laughs> no, no, they were chasing him with naked pictures of women because he was still a virgin. So they were testing his uh, Christianity. Yeah, that's kind of messed up. It was, but it got a little giggle out of me. But I mean, I guess you could be chased by worse things. Yeah, <laughs> that mascot. Hey, love Tebow. Tebow is an all-time winner. Great guy, great person, crazy winner. And the fact that he 
was that good of a person and put up with the players that were on his team at Florida is an even bigger feat because that team was wild. Looking back at it now, it is, which is the whole point of having the, the untold documentary on it. They I still missed an opportunity with that name. What? Going from Swamp Kings. What was the old one that the, everyone was saying about the priest and the... Oh, yeah, yeah. I can't remember what it was, but... Because somebody somebody told uh, or somebody posted a post like years ago and said said this is going to be one of the best documentaries to come out a priest that leads a leads you know a murder a degenerate and all this stuff because there was some so I'm not gonna ruin it I'm not gonna ruin it everybody go watch that everybody go watch it I but, can't see I can't start tonight because then I will stay up for four more hours and I just can't do that I, I think maybe late for work tomorrow but that's why Doc <laughs> isn't here. I know it is. It probably is. Yeah, that's right. He is a Florida, he's Florida fan. He's a big Florida fan. Yeah. That line bitch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That ragged. Where did bitch. he Google that picture of that leg? I didn't even know he played softball. He is watching Swamp Kings. That's it. Okay. Well, I, I think by default, he should lose the week one challenge. I agree. I don't even know what the challenge is yet, but he. TikTok dance. Oh, yes. That is he's right. He's got to choreograph one himself and post it. I yes. think we should make. Olivia do it since she used to cheer. Yeah. Olivia has to uh, choreograph it. Yeah, let her choreograph it. Let, I, th- I like that. I like that. Doc, you, you've lost week one. And it can't so. be the broom. No. No, and it's got to be like a good 30-second dance. Too. Oh, it's going to go full out. It's got to be. Maybe to a, probably to a Doja Cat song. Too. <laughs> he might have to do it on a crutch if this leg is still as bad as he says. But. Nah, we'll pump him full of fireball. Have y'all heard any other news coming out of camp? Going back to your Ramondre thing, before we started the episode, I got an update saying that Zeke was going to take a lot of the work, especially the passing downs. That's why I said it, in, at least in this draft, which we'll put this board up on the on the screen for the viewers at home, but I didn't like taking him in the second round. Yeah. Well, like I said last week about Zeke, if you remember last year when he was healthy, Zeke looked like old Zeke. Yeah. And so far in camp, they said Zeke has looked like old Zeke. So – and if we're talking about old Zeke compared to Ramadre Stevenson, old Zeke's way better than Ramadre Stevenson. Oh, yeah. And I feel like Ramadre Stevenson got thrust into this role, this, this PPR-friendly role or PPR-friendly running back that everybody liked because – or just kind of by default because Damian Harris couldn't catch a ball if it was handed to him, all right? And – so by default, they had to check it down because Mac Jones can't throw over 15 yards anyway. This year, I have a little bit better hope for him. But still, I think Ramadre Stevenson was kind of thrown into this role by default, and I don't think he's really that good as what the stats showed last year. So I'm down on Ramadre Stevenson. I agree. I am. And, I mean, where is Zeke going in this? Hey, I did just see something really bad here, though. Javante Williams, I think, could be the steal of the draft. Seventh round. Javante's look good. He's looked great. And well, you're looking at this, you can get him in the seventh round when Brian Robinson is this is saying Brian Robinson's getting going in the eighth round. Where was Javante going last year? Second round, third round? I think it was third round. I think it was third round. Yeah. But Javante looked great preseason the other night. I think he ran eight routes, had five targets. Yeah. I mean, I'm I've got him in Dynasty. I'm taking Javante pretty much any way I can get him. I'm in on Javante Williams for sure. Um, and I think that offense is going to be a lot better. And 
think about who's there as the coach, Sean Payton, and let's think about how good Alvin Kamara was in Sean Payton's offense as a receiving back. And Javante Williams, I'm not saying he's Alvin Kamara, but he's a very talented back. So I love Javante Williams and getting him that late. Like, I'll tell you this right now, my strategy, I like going wide receivers first three rounds, honestly. Um, Because if you skip a running back in the first and second round, I really don't want Najee Harris. Um, I don't think Joe Mixon is going to be there. Not that big on Jonathan Taylor right now because he's – who knows where he's at. You're looking at Kenneth Walker, Aaron Jones. Um, I do love Gibbs, but Gibbs is going to go early. Just Gibbs is going to go early. Brees Hall, don't want him right now. I would rather wait until the fifth and sixth rounds and get Rashad White, Alexander Madison, who's going to have the work, um, be able to sneak in there, get Javante Williams, unless people are listening to this podcast and move them up their boards. Uh, James Cook. I mean, I think there are better running backs in the fifth, sixth, and hell, seventh rounds than spending a third and fourth round pick on a running back that is in a bad situation and previously been good or has injury history. I I really do like that sixth, fifth, sixth, and seventh round of running backs better. If you miss out on one on 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 the early rounds, round one or two. Yeah, I mean, looking at this list, I mean, the only for sure as I see on this list would be your Nick Chubbs, Bijan, Tony Pollard, Saquon, Saquon, Josh Jacobs if he's you if, know if, if he's, he's actually back. Josh Jacobs. Outside of that, I mean, there's a lot of these guys I'd be willing to pass on just because there's so much value in those middle rounds at running back. There are. And if you could, if, I mean, most of the time you're playing, you know, two receivers and a flex, or in our case, two receivers and two flexes. Um, I would love to go ahead and get four top tier receivers. Cause I mean, if you could, let's say you got, you know, my boy CeeDee Lamb. All right. Let's say you got CeeDee Lamb. Let's say you were able to get Waddle, Olave, um, Garrett Wilson, Devontae Adams in the second, and then be able to turn around and get Keenan Allen, Calvin Ridley in the third, and then Jerry Judy, DJ Moore in the fourth, be able to stack all four of those receivers and then still be able to get, let's say, your boy James Cook and my boy Rashad White and Jacob. I know you love Najee Harris, uh, but we're passing on that man. All right. <laughs> But I mean, let's just say you could have those four, those I don't those six guys. Love them. I'm just invested in them because of our dynasty league. <laughs> Trade them. Hold but on you're, for a second. You're 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 giving off way too much information. Considering <laughs> we have to draft next week. I want y'all. Oh, I didn't. Just, I didn't give away any of our picks. I just noticed this. Look at this team that drafted in the number four spot, and go down and look at this team. They went Tyree Kill, Chris Olave, Jalen Hurts, T.J. Hawkinson. Then they went Christian Watson, Mike Evans, Kyle Pitts. Michael, they haven't taken a running back, and we're sitting here all the way down. They didn't take a running back until the 13th round. They took Tank Bigsby in the 13th round. Hey, I will say this, though. They, the two running backs that they did take are probably the best insurance policies you can yeah. have. <laughs> Tank Bigsby and Jerome Ford. Yeah. That is hilarious. They Even took though two I don't, defense, three defenses. This was a list of ADP. Yeah, I don't think this is an actual draft. Yeah, that wasn't. I mean, that's draft. just nuts. I don't hate that either. No, I Hey, I'm telling you this right now. If that team, if Nick Chubb and um, um, I just went blank, but Nick Chubb and Etienne got hurt somehow, that team's winning the ship. Easy. Yeah. I mean, lock it in. 
I don't know. I I just really don't like, like you said, um, you have like four locks at running back, and then after that, it's kind of a bunch of what ifs. Um, even though I do think Joe Mixon could be kind of one of those fifth locks just now that he's clear, you know, free my man. Um, I think as far as tight ends go, though, you almost want to go ahead and grab one of those early ones, Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews. Um, I'll say this, Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, Hawkinson, Kittle and Waller are kind of – and I'm actually, I'm actually going to move Kittle down. Kittle is in this one. He's higher than Waller. But I'd say Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, Hawkinson, and Waller. And then I think there's a pretty good gap between – in my book, I think there's a pretty good big gap between Goddard, Kittle, Ingram, Pitts, all of them. So I think if you miss out on one of those top four, I'd rather wait and be able to get like a Kincaid or a Dulcich or Chig, any of those guys. Um, Nicole Komet. Yeah, Komet. Uh, Njoku, I'm selling on I'm, – I'm out on Njoku this year. Deshaun Watson's never had a fantasy-relevant tight end. Fair. Never has. He does not even look tight end's way. Like, it's just something he just doesn't do. And, you know, I think when you got three really good mouths to feed in Amari, Elijah Moore, and Nick Chubb, Let's go ahead and throw Peoples Jones out there and move Elijah to the slot. I just don't. I don't think Njoku's worthy of a, of one of these mid round pit plays here. Yeah, well, I mean because of his feet. Because I mean if those first two or three options aren't there deep, he may sneak sneak a look at the running back in the flat, but then he's taking off on his legs. I mean I agree with that. Yeah. The one thing where it's going to catch the ball right over the middle, right after the snap is made, unless the play is designed for that. I agree. I mean he's going to draw it straight up to the center or scramble around the outside, try to beat a guy to the perimeter. Yeah. So He is a freak, though. And Joku would be a hell of a basketball player. <laughs> the one thing I'm scared of, what is it, one more week of preseason? Yeah. We yeah. haven't had the big injury yet that happens every year. We've had a bunch of minor ones. We haven't had the big one. Don't speak of that. It's it's coming, and I'm, I pray it doesn't. But if somebody gets injured, I hope it's somebody I just don't like. Like as a person or as a yeah, like a lot of these guys, I don't like them because of DFS plays. Like they've screwed me so many times. So <laughs> I'm like Jeff Wilson, hate him. Have you still been doing your Madden lineups? Yeah, we don't need to speak about that. But yes, yes, it's a <laughs> it's a profitable way to make money midday. I like it. <laughs> Big fan. Everybody, you can go make DFS lineups on DraftKings uh, for Madden simulation games uh, from the times of 11 o'clock in the morning <laughs> till <laughs> 7 o'clock at night. <laughs> I think that is my sign to make a call. Not not the call we want to, but, boys, it's time to make the last call. Give it to me. It could be something from college football. This is our last time recording before college football starts. It could be one of those fantasy locks that we just got finished talking about. You could be doubling down on one of these team retro team logos. Give me a lock. Give me a last call. I'm gonna double down on that. That old Tampa Bay's logo is, is too horny of a logo to be used in today's time. So <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and throw that. That's that's one of my last calls. And then my other two last calls have to do with actual football. Um, don't draft any part 
of the Washington, I'm going to call them the Redskins because I think the name is coming back. I think it is uh, once that petition goes through. I don't want any part of that running back group really because I think that – I think that Chris Rodriguez is talented. He's the third guy there, but I think he is a talented guy. Brian Robinson, he's talented, but, I mean, I like Antonio Gibson more because of the receiving work that Antonio Gibson gets. If I was to pick anybody there, it would be Antonio Gibson because they are going to run him out of the slot a little bit. But I really don't want any part of that that running back group. And Sam Howe looks, like, looks good right now. And they've got some good receivers to throw to as well. So I, I just don't want really any part of that running back group. So that's one of my last calls. And actually that is my last call. Not bad. Mine would be to tell you, if you miss out on one of the top end quarterbacks, don't be scared to take somebody like a Geno Smith. Mm-hmm. Saved my fantasy team last year. Geno Smith had a great year last year and he added weapons. I mean. He just doesn't look like a football player. He right? doesn't, but you know what? He looks like an investment banker. People might have thought you didn't look like a basketball player. Yeah, you look like a real estate agent. Look what happened. I hooped and, play, and did real estate. No. <laughs> and my All second right. would be to remind the kids, do not slide with shorts on. In the or past the age yeah. of 24. Yep. Doc, you got anything for us? Hmm. Still stiff, huh? Yep. I agree. Guys, I said it a few weeks ago. Actually, I misquoted it, so give me time to give me redemption. Um this is Brian Kelly's second year at LSU, and I don't want to mispronounce the, the other coach's name, so I'm not even going to try. LSU won the baseball national championship last year. It was their coach's second year. They also won the women's, women's college basketball national championship. It was that coach's second year. And shout-out to her wardrobes, by the way. My wife raves over her, her outfits. The LSU women's basketball it was the coach. Se- it was the second. I thought it was the third. Yeah, I said the third last time, but I misquoted. It so technically, the, technically the stat was correct because they were all on the same year, but I said third instead of second. Okay, all right. You had me all kind of confused. Yeah, I know. I know. So, quick recap. So, lock they them won, in? They won the Natty in, they won the Natty in baseball last year, coach's second year. They won the Natty in women's college basketball last year, coach's second year. Shout out to her closet and her wardrobe. This is Brian Kelly's second year. Been high on LSU anyway. Give me them Bayou Bengals for the netty. That's last call. We out.